In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. This is Live La Bella Vita with your host, Don Catherine. If you're looking to know all the latest beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. Do you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense? This is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita on Toginet with Dawn Catherine. If you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes from the vine to the bottle, If you love Italian food and want to learn Nana's recipes, you enjoy travel and want to know the best luxury destinations and resorts, love spending time with La Familia, does your business or passion allow you to live La Bella Vita? Let's find out. All that and a little more with an Italian flair. This is Live La Bella Vita on Togina.com. And now, here's your host, Don Catherine. The Bella Vita Show. I'm Don Catherine, your hostess with the mostess, and I hope that you poured yourself a glass of wine and are ready for another great show tonight. Uh, if you are listening live, thank you for joining me and thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you are not and you're listening on a podcast, thanks for downloading my podcast. And uh, if you didn't know that you could download them, you can do that by going to the Toginet page, my show page, and downloading them there. And you can also Also, go ahead and uh, go over to iTunes and subscribe for free. Just put my name, Dawn Catherine, or the name of the show, La Bella Vida. Put it in a search, and it will pop up in the podcast, and you can subscribe for free. So you can uh, reach me there, and you can leave comments and feedback and whatever you want to. So I hope you go ahead and do that. So what is going on? So much has happened in the last week. Good goodness. Lots to talk about. So first of all, you know, I all I have a house here in Orlando. And uh, so it is a very sad day for all of my friends who, which are many, that uh, work with the Walt Disney Company because they are very much... Uh, Mourning the passing of Annette Funicello, the, one of the original Mouseketeers. And um, she fought a very brave battle with MS. And um, I did not realize until I saw a, a interview on one of the entertainment shows that uh, said that she pretty much could not talk or move for the last three to four years. And I had not realized that. And I'm, I'm really happy for her that she's freed from that. And she's on the other side and in heaven and entertaining everybody else up there. So, and of course, Roger Ebert passed away, who, of course, one of the most famous film critics of his day. He fought a brave battle with cancer. And, of course, we have Margaret Thatcher, who passed away the other day as well. And uh, I, you know, might not have agreed with her politics. And I probably found out everything about her life by watching The Iron Lady. And probably every time now that since I've watched that movie, when I think of Margaret Thatcher, I see... Meryl Streep and not Mar- not uh, Margaret Thatcher. However, I do appreciate that she was the first lady to be prime minister and still is to this day. And uh, she did not take any BS from anybody. Uh, she was very convicted in her 
beliefs and she fought for what she believed in even if you know we might agree with it or not but uh, she was a tough lady and she lived a great life and so uh, my thoughts and condolences go out to her family and uh, hopefully we can uh, learn from her and show that uh, women are very good leaders and uh, maybe this country needs to uh, think about maybe putting a woman in the White House sometime in the near future so uh, there's that. So rest in peace to all of those lovely people. And so there's lots going on. Can you believe that one of the most famous museums in the entire world has been closed? Uh, the Louvre in Paris did not open on Wednesday because of a protest by the staff over pickpockets. Uh, so the staff at the museum said that thieves, some of them children, were targeted by both employees and tourists, and 200 workers took part in a strike today organized by the union. And according to a news agency, the museum's management said that it has asked for assistance from the police to deal with a problem, but the staff was afraid to come to work, and they found themselves confronted with an organized group of pickpockets who were increasingly aggressive and who included all these children. And they were getting into the museum for free because they were children and as you know the Louvre is home to the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci and it is the world's most visited art museum and it has 10 million visitors a year in 2012 but there has always been pickpocketers at the marketers at the Louvre at the Louvre and other area attractions in Paris, but for the last year and a half, it has been increasingly getting worse, and the these gypsy gangs seem to become more violent and uh, more aggressive, and uh, they will do nothing to stop, and you know they will get caught, and they will still come back. So it's quite a problem. So they have not said when the museum might open, and I find that just tragic because it obviously houses some of the most important art in the entire world. And it's sad that people who are going to visit there are going to miss out because these people want to pickpocket each other, you know, or pickpocket the tourists that go there. So that was really a sad thing. And hopefully they will get this worked out and the Louvre will reopen. So the other important thing that I have in the world of art and archaeology, I guess, if you will, uh, is that uh, they have uncovered in, Ro in London a Roman area. Um, it's about um, 10,000 pieces of history have been found uh, in this area that they have excavated, including writing tablets and good luck charms, and the area has been dubbed the Pompeii of the North due to the perfect preservation in organic artifacts such as leather and wood. And this site is something that they have been dreaming about for 20 years. Archaeologists expect the finds at the three-acre site to prove the earliest foundation date for the Roman London, currently AD 47. The site is where it was found is where the Bloomberg European headquarters are being built. And it contains the bed of the Walbrook, one of the lost rivers of London, and features built-up soil waterfronts and timber structures, including a complex Roman drainage system used to discharge waste from industrial buildings. And organic materials such as leather and wood were preserved in an aerobic environment due to the beds being waterlogged. And it's beautifully preserved. The Museum of London archaeologist who led the excavation of the site say it contains the largest collection of small finds ever recovered on a single site in London, covering a period from the AD 40s to the early 5th century. And Sadie Watson, who is the site director for 
uh, Mola, which is is the Museum of London Archaeologist, said that they have entire streets of Roman London in front of them. And the site is believed to be one of the deepest archaeological digs in London, and the team have uh, removed about 3,500 tons of soil in the last six months. And more than 100 fragments of Roman writing tablets have been discovered. Some are thought to contain names and addresses, while other contain affectionate letters. A wooden door... Only the second to be found in London is another prize find. And the MOLA's Sophie Jackson said the site contains layer upon layer of Roman timber building, buildings, fences and yards, beautifully preserved and containing amazing personal items, clothes and even documents. The site also includes previous unexcavated section of the Temple of Marathus, a Roman cult which was first unearthed in 1954. And the, the preserved timber means that the tree ring samples will provide a chronological dating for the Roman London expected to be earlier than the current dating of AD 47. The artifacts are to be transported back to the Museum of London to be freeze-dried and preserved by record. And the site eventually will become the entrance to the Waterloo and City Line at Bank Station. And once Bloomberg Palace uh, Place rather is completed in 2016, the temple and the finds from the excavation will become part of a public exhibition with Bloomberg within Bloomberg's headquarters. So that is a very rare and amazing find that they have in London and I can't wait to go and see that because it's really that's a really cool thing to find such well preserved items because usually they you know not as you know not always in such pristine condition. So back from London we're going to go back to Siena, Italy. Uh, there has been an announcement that visitors of the main cathedral of the city um, of Siena will be offered a limited access to the uppermost part of the building uh, which has been closed off to the public for centuries but thanks to an, an innovative organization Opera Civita Group they are unveiling the so-called sky section of the Siena Cathedral follows the long renovation period and will take place on this Saturday and access will be permitted to one small group of viewers at a time and permitting them to admire the intricate creations of the grandest architects of times gone by and the entry is granted up to two to the two towers that flank the church which contains spiral staircases that are hidden from general view and the uh, they'll take the uh, visitors up to the sky section. And once on top, the itinerary starts from the area above the starred vaults over the right nave of the cathedral where uh, small groups will be accompanied by a tour guide. And last year, the magnificent ornate marble flooring that embellishes the Siena Cathedral was made visible to the general public. Normally, the inlaid mosaic floor is hidden from the site and protected by wooden plaques to ensure it's not scuffed or damaged by the million or more visitors who walk to the church each year. So very cool stuff for Siena, for those of us going to visit Siena in the next uh, couple of uh, years because this is something that's never been seen before. So I have just two minutes to the first break, and I guess you might want to know what we're going to be talking about. Tonight we're going to take a nice little... Uh, vacation, I guess you will, uh, to La Marquée. Now, some people will say La Marche because they think that, you know, we're talking about France because they say La Marche, but it's La Marquée. And uh, that includes Urbino and uh, some other lovely Pacero and uh, some other lovely places. So I'm going to be taking you on a little journey through the La Marquée. It's a very unknown, untapped, very, uh, not very 
populated with tourists, so it's a great place to go. And uh, it's got everything that you can want from hill towns to beachside and everything in between. There's some great vineyards. There's just great uh, water sports, anything that you can imagine. You get the great beaches. You have all of the, uh, there's a national park in the middle of Larma Cave that we're going to be talking about. So there'll be a lots for you to learn on today's La Bella Vita show. So we will see you on the side of the other side of the break. This is Don Catherine. This is the La Bella Vita show, and I will see you on the other side with more about Italy and Italian travels in La Marche. Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Second chances. We all deserve them, and we are all worthy of them. Second Chances, with your host, Midge Noble. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on Toginet is like coming home to warm, fresh-baked cookies, a hug from Grandma, or an enthusiastic greeting from your dog. Second Chances, hosted by Midge Noble, a licensed professional counselor, is affirming, warm, genuine, validating, and thought-provoking. Second Chances is a place to be heard, a place to laugh, a place to cry, and a place to be seen. For more on Midge and Second Chances, check out MidgeNobleSecondChances.com. Then be a part of a show that will change how you think, how you feel, and what you do. Give yourself the gift of Second Chances and see where it will take you. So take a deep breath, open your heart, open your mind, and join host Midge Noble for Second Chances. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Lori Hurley, the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and makes social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media, including Twitter, YouTube, blogging, Google+, and more. Lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material, engaging guests, and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway. Join her every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Social Networking News Hour here on the WooHoo Radio Network. And from thence, I had great desire to see Italy and came to Venice and from thence to Florence, where I played before the Duke and got great favors. If it's good enough for Sting, it's good enough for us. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet. 
If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita, all with an Italian flair. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. It's Live La Bella Vita. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine, and this is the La Bella Vita show. And we are talking about the beautiful La Marque, which is situated in central Italy, bordering Tuscany and Umbria, Emilia Romana, Abruzzo, and Lazio. It's a remote region of five provinces Pizarro, Urbino, Ancona, Maseretta, and Escoli Pacino. And La Marque has some of the most stunning geographical features in Italy. You'll find beautiful Mount Sibillini National Park, stunning Frassassi Caves, and 100 kilometers of sandy coastline. And the area remains relatively undiscovered, like I said before, by mass tourism, but retains a taste of authentic Italy. So it's the reason why you should go and discover it, because it's not going to be overrun with a lot of tourists. And that's always great to have a real authentic uh, taste of this most beautiful country. Larmake is located again in central Italy and um the good thing about being in the center is that the most northern point and the most southern point are within five hours' reach. The land is made up of coastal plains and hilly terrain that beaches uh, that becomes mountainous, reaching the peaks of the Apennine Mountains. The mountainous areas are rich in limestone, and among them lay the Grotte di Frassassi, or the Frassassi Caves, Italy's largest and most famous complex of caves. The Grotta Grande is Europe's largest single cavern, and the hilly areas between the mountains and the coastline are fertile and picturesque, characterized by several small medieval towns that sit on top of hills. The population of La Marque is about 1.5 million, so it is, you know, a vast area and not that many people. The highest point in the region is Monte Vittori in the Sibillini Mountains, which reaches about 2.5 four meters and the Adriatic side is noted for long flat sandy stretches of coastline apart from the limestone peninsula which is rough rougher and uh, here one can find pebble stone beaches and uh, the uh, limestone peninsula is kind of reminiscent of a lot of the uh, limestone um, areas that you find in different parts of the world uh, such as in England and France and they all have their little um, limestone walls. Uh, so we are going to take you to the first town, which I have been to personally, and I absolutely loved it, and that would be Urbino. It's a picturesque Renaissance hill town and the capital of the Marche region of central Italy. Although Urbino was a Roman and medieval city, its peak came during the 15th century when Duke Federico del Montefeltro established one of Europe's most illustrious courts. Its impressive Ducal Palace houses one of the most important collection of Renaissance paintings in Italy. Urbino has a university which was started in 1506 and it is a bustling university town with many many of local Italians going to the university as well as exchange students from the United States. It is the center for Mallorca ceramics, arts, and culture. And Irbino is a historic center. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Now, when you're in Irbino, one of the places that you must visit is Ducal Palace. The huge palace is one of the most impressive and also the first in Italy. The Ducal Palace was built in the second half of the 15th century. Top sites are the 
impressive courtyard of honor, the Duke's study with its stunning trompe de lier, inlaid woodwork panels, which are absolutely, unbelievably stunning to see in person. Trust me when I tell you, it's worth it just for that. And it has a vast network of kitchens, laundry rooms, and cellars and stables underneath. And I walked all around them and they were just, it was very, it's unbelievable how this this palace was set up. It was, it's quite lovely. And you can spend hours walking through the palace and its two museums, which are the National Gallery and the Archaeological Museum. And uh, you will really enjoy your time there, and you will see some great artwork. And the, and the palace itself is just exquisitely beautiful. Now, they also have a Duomo. The Duomo or Cathedral was constructed on top of a 6th century religious building completed in 1604. It was destroyed by an earthquake in 1789, and then it was rebuilt. The Duomo now has a neoclassical appearance and houses several important works of art for those of you like me who are art history buffs and love art. It has a painting of the Last Supper by Federico Baracci, and the has a huge collection of glass, ceramics, and religious items from the area. Now, when you go into the Piazza, uh, Piazza della Repubblica and the Piazza Duca Federico is the center of Verbino. Um, it's formed by these two square yield fine cafes and shops and lots of people all around. It's a lovely little area to go grab a, you know, cappuccino and espresso, depending on which time of day you get there. Uh, but one of the most famous sites that is in Urbino, especially if you're not history buff like me, is Raphael's house. The painter Raphael, the Renaissance painter, was born in Urbino in 1483, and his family's house is now a museum. And it's quite lovely, and it's you have to walk up a very large hill to get there, so put on your walking shoes, but it's very much worth the wait uh, to go and see it. The Alborans Fortress is a small fortress at the top of Urbino. It's a great place for views of the town and surrounding hills. It was built in the 14th century and was the defensive point for the walls, built in the 16th century. It's now a library and a public park, and it's a great little place to uh, go if you want to have a picnic, and you can get such great pictures of the surrounding area of uh, Urbino. And actually, when you, depending on where you are in the city, um, you know, there's just these beautiful, picturesque little houses and villas that are in the distance that you can take pictures of. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And when I went there and I saw that all these other things were on the other side, outside of the gates of Urbino, I decided to get in my car and drive and go up to where this, you know, beautiful cathedral was and took pictures. And it was a lot of fun. So I definitely... Uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, there's also beautiful botanical gardens there that are beautiful plants and pathways, and it's free to go in. And um, so the other thing that you want to do when you're there is the Oratory of St. John. It's a beautiful uh, place to go and discover and look around. It's the only other important interior in town. And you want to go there because you want to look at its beautiful frescoes. It was built by a brotherhood dedicated to St. John the Baptist. They were committed to performing random acts of kindness while wearing masks in order to humble, to be humble about their Christian charity. The interior walls uh, tell a story of the life of St. John the Baptist from the events leading up to his birth to his beheading at the request of Herod, dancing uh, daughter 
Salome, and uh, study the exuberant scene engulfing the crucifixion. The two thieves crucified along Jesus met their eternal fates. The soul of the man who who repented is grabbed by an angel and... The other by the devil. The mischievous devil was given mirror for eyes, so sure to freak out all of the faithful 600 years ago. Above it all, a pelican pecks flesh from its own breast to feed its children, symbolic of the amazing power of Christian love. This fresco was painted in 1400 before the Renaissance arrived in Urbino. It's a good example of the last stage of Gothic called International Gothic, characterized by lots of color, jam-packed with detail and decor, and featuring a post-plague, we survived, let's enjoy our life outlook. Take a peek at Urbino, circa 1400, and the people in a slice of life corners of this art. Before you leave, check out the view of the Duke's Palace and the ghetto from the little room adjacent to the chapel. So I will tell you that I spent a day in Urbino. It was a really great experience, and uh, it's just a lovely place, and not that many people go, and I think that uh, you're missing out by not uh, taking a little time to see Urbino and seeing what it's all about. So definitely go there and uh, look into that. Now Pizarro uh, meets Urbino. Sea, mountains, music, and Mallorca tiles, the splendor of nature and history unite the province of Pizarro and Urbino. It's the so-called Riviera della Colline, or the Riviera of the Hills. This vast expanse of central Italy ranges from the Apennine foothills to the Adriatic Sea, and the landscape is kaleidoscopic, composed mainly of hills and highlands. And geology has truly worked its wonders here, rendering the province especially charming and unique. And Pizarro is bathed by the Adriatic Sea on one side, marking it a favorite beach destination and hugged by the hills to the city's north. Uh, St. Bartolo also is a a nature reserve. And to the south, you have Adrizio, and Adrizio, which divides Pizarro from Fano, which is another area. And it is a a mild climate year-round, so you can go. But a visit to this area becomes a discovery of the relationship between the town and the sea, between the agriculture and the urban, between the coast and the rolling hills. In short, it's an area that you want to explore for its unusual beauty. There are plenty of things and itineraries to enjoy, things to do, uh, starting from the main town. I highly recommend a visit to the Ceramics Museum. Italy's most important and decorated by items from the best pottery workshops of the Renaissance era. Between the 14th and the 17th centuries, a Mallorca industry of exceptional exceptional importance flourished in Pizarro in a style of decoration inspired by Raffaello during the 16th century. So we are going to talk a little bit more about Pizarro and uh, a little bit more. We're going to talk about one of the national parks here that is in La, beautiful La Marque and uh, some other little tidbits will be coming up as well. But uh, I definitely think that you should, if you were planning a trip to Italy, we all go to some of those main places, Rome, Florence, Venice, which are fabulous. But if you really want to see a little bit of a different slice of Italian lifestyle, I ri- really recommend going to the La Marque. It's absolutely gorgeous. And um, I have enjoyed my time there. Like I said, I have been there. I've, I, I have taken my car. I was by myself. I felt like I was on the amazing race going around La Marque all by myself. And... Uh, So we'll see you on the other side.
is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Come bella c'è la luna, brilla strette, strette come butto, belle faste già. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. This is Don Catherine. It's La Bella Vita Show, and we are talking about the La Marque in Italy, one of my favorite places to talk about, as you may well know. Uh, and we are talking right now about Pisado, and it has some great sightseeing opportunities for you. And if you go down into the town in Piazza del Papado and uh, in the Palazzo Ducale uh, to the museum, to the Civic Museum, um, there's works by Giovanni Bellini and Vitale de Bologna and Guido Reni. And um, on the opposite side of the Civic Museum is the Oliverian Archaeological Museum with valuable artworks which are exhibited in the 17th century halls of the Palazzo Americhi. And the Rocca is its cylindrical towers built by Luciano Lorana for Costanza Savora in 1474 to 1487. It compri- comprises a prime example of 15th century architecture, so if you are into architecture, you will sure to enjoy it. Pizarro is also the birthplace of the composer Giacchino Rossini, whose home museum is open to visitors, so if you are into composers and some classical music, you might want to go and check out their museum. Every year, the conservatory and Theater, both named after him, hosts the Rossini Opera Festival and draws enthusiasts from all over the world for opera. Also, uh, places that you should consider villi- uh, visiting are two villages that are built on sea cliffs outside of Pizarro. Firenzulo di Focara is a picturesque medieval village and Castel di Mezzo with its 13th 14th century walls. Afterwards, you might want to drive to Gradara. It's a delightful medieval village that maintains its original walls made up of towers and battlements. So if you really want to step back into the 14th and 13th, 14th century, it's a really great place to go and check out. Fano is a town with a wealth of historical landmarks such as 
the Arch of Augustus, and Palazzo Malatesta, which is home to a civic museum and an art gallery with collections ranging from the Neolithic period to the present time. I've never been there. I would love to go, but I have seen the area, and it is stunning. So you really do want to check it out. So you want to, after that, maybe make your way down to Escola Picciano. Uh, it's another area right down the way. It's older than Rome, as some Piccini like to say, although not technically true. Escoli, as it's known, has been home to inhabitants since the Sabine tribe settled there in the 9th century BC. These days, Escoli is a charming mid-sized town. Its lack of hills presenting an easily walkable visit. It's not heavily touristed, like a lot of these places I've talked about, but if you're willing to make the trek, you will discover a lot of different historical riches and an excellent Pinacoteca, one of Italy's most unsung perfect piazzas, and uh, a veal-stuffed fried olive treat. It's called Olive alla Ascolana, and uh, it's good enough to plan your heart attack around. You got to try it. It's really good. So, if you want to, uh, to me, anything that's fried, anything that involves olives, is a amazing thing to me. So. And I am not a veal person, so they do make it without veal, just FYI, because I don't like me some veal. And I'm sure that I probably ate some that had it, and they didn't tell me that. They probably said there was something else in it, but you know how that goes. But it was good nonetheless, because trust me, I, I'll give you a little sidebar here. When I was up in Bologna not that long ago, about oh, two years ago, I decided that I wanted to get a dinner and it had several meats, and of course, some of which, even though I, ha I have a basic understanding of Italian, um, quite wasn't quite sure what everything was. And um, I will tell you that um, some of the things that they eat in the Bologna region are things that should not be eaten. Just saying, uh, you know, I um, really don't want to know what I ate, but a couple of days later, because we had stayed there for a few days, uh, I had read on the menu that um, some of the things that I ate were like goat, um, horse, and uh, some other creature that I have no idea. So, you know, some of these things you just don't need to know. Awful. Awful. But it was really, really good. So I guess it's one of those things. It's mind over matter. You, if you don't know what it is and then you taste it and it tastes good, you're like, oh, that's good. But if someone told me what it was, I would have never put it past my lips. Trust me when I tell you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the characteristics of buildings and the streets and piazzas tell a story of centuries of amazing uh, history in Escoli Piceno. From the facades of its medieval buildings to the old maze of streets and trails, Escoli Piceno is a town of art, culture, and strong traditions. The town is a cohesive and harmonious, mi harmonious mix due to the widespread use of travertine marble for everything from simple buildings to palaces, from the churches to the pavement of its piazzas. Can you imagine? It's amazingly beautiful. Its two principal town centers reflect ancient and modern Escoli, Piazza del Popolo and Piazza Arinjo, respectively. The former was the location of the Old Forum, the Palace of the People's Captains, and a vibrant commercial center, whereas the latter was once the political heart of the town with its cathedral and Palazzo Vescovile. Many of the museums in town are concentrated in Piazza Ringo and also known as Museum Square. With the public art gallery, it has many masterpieces by Titian, who I love, Guido Reni and uh, Volpito. And uh, 
they also have the Museum of the Diocese and the State Archaeological Museum as well. The old town is well protected by the Toronto River and its offshoot, the Castellano River. And while Martin Town spans eastward following the Toronto to the sea, a tour of the churches here might begin with the Church of San Tommaso and conclude at Santa Maria in Verninus. And uh, all the church are Romanesque churches, and the baptistry of the central feature of Escoli Pacino along the way. Escoli Pacino also possesses a long-established theatrical tradition, also can be seen from the many theaters buildings in the 19th century, and they have the Philharmonic there, and the Vendito Basso, and the San Francesco di Paolo Auditorium, all which house various theater and musical ventures, so if you're there, you might be able to find something that is going on, some kind of a festival or some kind of concert that you might want to go and see. So uh, geographically, the city occupies a location close to the Sibilini National Park, which is what we're going to be talking about next, uh, the grass, uh, the Grand Sasso Laga National Park and Mount Sibilia. Not far from the town lies Mount Ascensione. It's a destination for pilgrimages during the Middle Ages that nowadays retains its sacred atmosphere. Indeed, every Every day, every year in May, thousands of people ascend to the mountain on Ascension Day to carry the Madonna del Polizio to the top of the church at the at the church at the top of the mountain. Uh, and um, moving on from Escoli, you want to go to San Bendito del Tronte. One uh, will encounter towns such as Ofito which has a 15th century fortress. Glimpses of the Middle Ages can be found in Ripa Transone. It's also uh, the Belvedere del Pacino, and it's known for its panoramic locations along the coastal towns. Um, and you will see when you go there, they have the most amazing places to take pictures, so you want to go see that. And they... You want to go and see that beautiful 15th century fortress. Again, these places are so not well touristed, so you are going to basically be able to go and visit them with not a lot of people, and it's so well preserved, you will be missing out, I promise you, if you do not go and check these places out. Now, the Monte Sibillini National Park is by far one of the most beautiful parks in all of Italy. It has a, a mountain lake reddened by the blood of the devil. I know, crazy. A narrow pass known by, as the Gorge of Hell in a cave reputed to have been the lair of an enchantress. The Monte Sibillini are not only the most beautiful section of the Apennines, but they teem with ancient legends too. Wolves and brown bears all have homes in the national park, and even if you don't want to come across one of these, you may be lucky enough to see an equally rare golden eagle instead. It's not easy to reach uh, at all to go to the National Park by public transportation, so you would have to drive to get there. But it is filled with mystical valleys and ancient hamlets and infinite expanses of wildfire, uh, wildflowers and soaring peaks. 
And I can tell you that when you, I have driven around the outskirts of the park and literally there are fields and meadows that are just filled with these beautiful wildfire flowers that, you know, the kind that you just want to get out of your car and just run through. So beautiful. You really need to go and check it out. There's so much to do at the national park. It's unbelievable what you can, what you can do. Uh, the area is a paradise for anyone interested in outdoor activities and wildlife. Walking trails crisscross the area. The refugi, which are mountain huts, welcome hikers um, every few kilometers. And there's uh, usually would be like a restaurant and a warm bed, so you can take a little nap if you want to. And uh, there's a good driving circle around the mountains, which visitors can easily uh, reach from uh, Umbria or Escolia uh, Pacino. So you can go and kind of go around the whole entire park if you want to. But you can hike, you can go horseback riding there, whatever you want to do there. You can go into the, the caves. There's so much history there. And, of course, because it's a mountain, it's beautiful and tall, in the wintertime, if you happen to be here, uh, you can go and um, you can ski. So you just need to um, go on up to the ski area at, and uh, you can make your way down the Apennines, which, you know, the Apennines have been around for a very long time and uh, many, many people have crossed and walked on those mountains. So I think it would be kind of a cool thing to go and see. So uh, if you want to go to the to the national park you can go again and they have a vast amount of caverns that you can go and explore and uh, one of the most large the largest cavern in all of europe is is there i have not gone inside yet my next trip i plan to go and see that area um it is definitely something that uh, i want to do but it is a beautiful area and you know there's not too too many national parks we here in the united states were spoiled because we have so many over there there's not as few but the ones that they do have are amazing and this is a very vast area with just so much stuff to do and so many different things to see i definitely think it's worth it for you to put this in your itinerary and go and see this area it's unbelievable and did i mention that the food is really good because it's really 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 good in that area as well so you definitely want to check that out so uh, the next thing that you want to do after you go into the parks area is you want to maybe go make your way to uh, to uh, Maserata which is another beautiful area in central La Marque and uh, it's composed of a natural scenery and with thousands of facets, mountains, hills, valleys, woods, and cultivated with fields. Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Besame, 
Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. What does success mean to you? Money? Power? Fame? Having everything money can buy? Does it mean having a job or career that you love? A great family life? Or simply to be happy? If you're still searching for answers, then join us each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for Primetime Success Radio, where Alan Skidmore and his special guests will discuss health, finances, relationships, being in business, and how you can have a life that is not only successful, but a life of meaning. Alan has been studying success principles for over 25 years through reading, attending seminars, interviewing successful people, and a daily lesson from the School of Hard Knocks. And now he wants to share that information with you. So join Alan Skidmore on Primetime Success Radio every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network, as he takes you on a journey of finding the heart of your success. Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show, all with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine. And we are talking about the city of Maserata, and it is the historical center located on a hill between the Chianti and Potenza rivers. It's considered of the Pichin, city named Ricina, then after Romanization, Ricina and Helva Ricina. Uh, together with the modern town sprawling, it has a population of just 43,000 people. And uh, in the central Piazza di Liberta is the Loggia di Mercanti, with two-tiered arcades dating from the Renaissance. There are a number of striking palazzi, mostly along the Corso Madalati, including the Palazzo dei Diamante. Next to the Loggia di Mercanti, the Corso della Repubblica leads to a Piazza Vittorio Veneto, where in Palazzo Ricci, there is a Martin Art Gallery. Another museum that is definitely worth visiting is Palazzo Bon. Corsi, where you can see the amazing 
Enad Hall, a gallery with painting and frescoes from the 18th century, and the Carriages Museum. Soon the building will be host to the City Art Gallery, which is now temporarily closed, with its most important art piece, The Madonna and Child by Crivelli. So you definitely want to make your chance to uh, make your way to see that beautiful painting by Crivelli. The cathedral was built in a neoclassical style in 1771 to 1790, and it has the remains of a 15th century Gothic bell tower. The interior was designed by Cosimo Morelli, and the University of Maserato was found in 1290 and has about 13,000 students and also has an uh, art school and two publishing houses, jazz club, and the like. The Palazzo Bonacorsi was built in about 1700 for Count Romando Bonacorsi and his son, Cardinal Simone Bonacorsi, using designs by Giovanni Battista Contini. The piano noble is known for the Sala del Enid, decorated with frescoes by Ranmaldi, Dardani, Salamena, and canvases by Garzi and Giafasefo Soleil. Just north of the town at the Villa Potenza lies the remains of ancient Helvia Racina, a Roman settlement destroyed by the Visigoths in many years ago. <laughs> some, way, uh, some way south of this town is a Romanesque church, San Claudio Alciente. Its unusual shape is due to the church being built on the remains of another. It was built during the 14th century as a war reparation to Montalmo, today's Cordinia, which defeated Maserere in a bloody and long war. And uh, it, San Claudio Alciente is very close to Maseretta, and because it has been... Uh, it has been Frazioni of Cardini since that time. So the names have changed several times because of wars and whatnot. It is home to a beautiful opera festival. You might want to check that out. It happens in the month of July and August, this, the Sefertirio Opera Festival. It's held in a 2,500-seat arena, and this is a huge neoclassical arena that was erected in the 1820s. So if you happen to be traveling during July and August, definitely make your way to there. Uh, some of the most famous people to come out of the area is the Italian opera singer and composer Basilio Basili, which, who was born in 1805. And uh, so if you are into opera, it's a place you might want to try out for sure. So now we're going to make our way to Anacona, which is one of the most well-known of the La Marquise cities. And uh, of course, because it is a port city, it's located in the same region we have been talking about for this past hour. And it has obviously amazing seafood so if you are looking to do some eating while you're there this is definitely a place that you want to go and uh, make your way for some great seafood dishes uh, it is a easy way to get there you can go depending on where you're staying you can get there by ferry you can go by boat um, and you can get there by several locations. You can actually go to Dubrovnik. You can, you know, because the Marquet is on the Adriatic side, right across the way, <laughs> you have some uh, other countries, so you can go to Dubrovnik. You can actually go over there for the day if you want to. Uh, but if you want to go around the city, 
it is well worth a trip to see the cathedral, Anacona's, Ancona's 11th century Duomo, the Cathedral of San Siracchio, is the town's most important building and also boasts a gorgeous view of the sea. The imposing entrance of the cathedral, consecrated in 1128 and completed in 1189, features two lions flanking the doorway. The elegant Romanesque style of the cathedral, featuring gray stone built in a Greek cross form was restored in the 13th centuries. You will be able to see the Duomo's beautiful Dodge conical dome and Gothic portal on the facade. Inside there are 10 columns thought to have come from the Temple of Venus, which originally stood on the site, as well as many beautiful sculptures, screens, and pieces of art. The Arch of Trajan is an 18 meters high arch that has been towering over the city since it was erected out of marble in 114, built by the Emperor Trajan as an entrance on top of the harbor wall. It's known to be one of the most important and well-preserved Roman monuments in the region, even though most of the original bronze embellishments have been lost over time. The Arch of Trajan is still slight, is a sight to behold. The Lazaretto is designed by Luigi Venventelli. The, Laza the Lazaretto was built in 1732 and is spread out over an area of 20,000 square meters and the pentagonal in shape building was originally meant for protecting military authorities from disease and over centuries has been used as a barracks for a as a, in a military hospital presently the building is used for various cultural exhibits in the city it also has an episcopal palace which has beautiful architecture it's also worth a visit and the plaza is most famous for being the place where pope pius died in 1460 so if you want to go and stay there, um, there's multiple places where you can stay. And uh, you can book some of the best hotels in the city are Hotel Fortuna and the Grand Palace Hotel um, and the Albergo Roma Hotel. The majority of the restaurants, like I said, in Anacona serve some local cuisine and the dishes of the region, which are most likely, again, seafood. Um, but you definitely want to try out some of the great seafood. Uh, the calamari there is probably a little bit different than what you're used to because it's served like with everything, the tentacles. Some people are not used to that. They just are used to the rings. It comes like fully. The tentacles, the whole shebang comes with the with the uh, calamari there, so you got to try that out. And Anacona is actually Anacona is actually you know why I say Anacona and it is Anacona. I say Anacona because I went to school with a girl named Jennifer Anacona. <laughs> Can't get that out of my mind. Um, I always make that mistake. Um, they have great food markets there, and you can go and uh, go and explore some of the markets for the local food there. It's definitely, if you're into seafood, you want to check out the local markets. If you happen to be staying at a place where you can make your own food, I would definitely try that out. But they have great markets that have fruits and vegetables and whatnot, uh, cheeses. And it's always great, and I say this all the time, when you're visiting Italy, go to some of these markets, buy some bread, buy some cheeses, buy some olives, and have yourself a nice little picnic don't forget to buy a bottle of wine and that's why i always say when you pack for any trip especially to europe bring not one but two wine bottle openers because you are going to need them trust me when i tell you um but uh, yes, they have great wine in the region, so definitely there's some different places where you can go and try wine in Ancona, so go and try them out. I think you will enjoy that whole area. So 
I think it's a place that you would want to go and uh, walk around and see and definitely take uh, take it in. So that is my tour for you of the whole Larmake region. And I can tell you this, there is so much more that you can see. There's other areas that I just don't have a time in one hour to tell you everything that uh, there is to explore and see in these areas. But I will tell you that it is highly recommended by me to go and check out some of these places, again, because they are not well-trafficked by tourist and that is always a good thing <laughs> because you are going to be able to have the city somewhat to yourself and uh, that's always a really good thing and I think it's an easier way to maybe get in touch with some of the locals and act like a local and uh, but there's so many places Urbino is amazing I think you will love it there's other places that you can go besides the places that I talked about but really you know when I was there and I was driving around I kind of just went in my car and just went and I went down back roads I had no idea where the heck I was going to end up, but I just said, hell, you know, you know, Italy is a boot, you know, it looks just like the state of Florida. How lost can I get if I, you know, where am I going to go? So uh, I found some great places going around there. And I, like I said, they have some beautiful ceramics there. If you love the Italian ceramics that you see a lot in the stores, this is the area that you want to get them because this is what they are used to, You know, that is what they're known for is those beautiful Dorata um, ceramics. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, you will definitely, definitely enjoy it. So I hope that you have enjoyed this little tour of the Lamake region. And uh, again, I encourage you to go and visit it. Uh, in the coming weeks on the next La Bella Vida shows that will be coming up, we have Diana, Dr. Diana Kirshner coming on in a few weeks. And uh, we also have uh, Tina Decina, who is launching a dating website, love website. So that should be interesting. So we will see you next week on the La Bella Vida show. I'd like to thank my producer, Anna, down there in Texas. And thank you for our listening. And we will see you next week on the La Bella Vita show with some great topics and hey by the way my fi fashion icon for this week was Faith Hill she rocked it out at the ASCM awards this weekend she looked fantastic lover we'll see you on the other side Stone Catherine bye bye for being